Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks too, and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, it's scary. And welcome once again to another episode of the Retro Redoctopus Cephala Podcast, the only show that celebrates all the things that made growing up awesome. We are part of the Dorkening and Inebriart Podcast Networks, and as always, we are brought to you by Deadly Grounds Coffee. I am your host, 8-Bit Alchemy, and with me as always are my scientifically inclined cohorts, Nintendo. How does vitamin C react with iodine clock, you may ask? Well, if there is vitamin C, it will react with I2. So, there will not be any free iodine to complex with starch to give the blue color. Once the vitamin C is oxidized completely, the free iodine will be available and it will complex with starch to give you the blue color. Wow. You know what? I think the problem was, you said I may ask, and honestly, I wasn't gonna. But Well, <laughs> too bad. You, not, you know, you hey, know. hey, somebody's not, trying a little hard see, with the see, morning see. quote. Now it's, you it's, know. I'm, I'm trying and, to sound smart over here. And, and, and Parasite Steve, <laughs> you're here. But a bing, but a bang, but a blast off. But a blast off. That is right. We are going to blast off into the cosmos, into the stars amongst our heavenly scientific minded ancients that are floating above us somewhere. Oh, out look, there. they're right they're right up there. They're, they're floating right there. around with the magic gnomes. Even, yeah, they yeah, that little little fairies. what was that? A hummingbird, a fairy? Oh. I don't know. Oh. Oh. No, it's a scientist. It's you. Oh, uh, it's science. <laughs> Maybe we it's here. Maybe it's aliens. It might you know what? Maybe. Convince me it's not. Uh, but we are here on the Retro Octopocephala podcast to talk about science shows and stuff. Yes. Uh, we are going to talk about those educational, entertaining shows of yesteryear that were all sorts of focused on science and experiments and fun little tidbits of information and all that other crap that actually made, uh, you know, doing science and kind of maybe having to do math sound kind of all right. Yeah, it made uh, learning fun. Yeah. You know, as long cool. as you got up at like 5 or 6 a.m. <laughs> right. True. I mean, sometimes, yeah. Or, you know, what you really, in my case, what you had to bank on was having a substitute teacher mm-hmm. in science. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every single time you got, you got, you got some choice. So, uh, yeah. So we are going to be talking about all these different shows. Uh, and then uh, we're going to do, we're going to do something a little different. So, First half of the episode, we're just going to present our show. We're going to talk about it like we do. Have our Octoplunder. And then the second half of the episode is actually we all decided to watch an episode of 
the sh of one of the other hosts shows so what we presented in the front those are the three candidates and then we all just watched one from that we weren't familiar mm -hmm. with uh, so, so something of a nostalgia swap meet i believe yeah. you could you can say one might say mm -hmm. one might, might say. say that one might, one say, might say that it. so they you definitely may, may uh, so so what i'm saying is you should stick around if, yes. that, if that if that octoponder gets you feeling sleepy and you're like maybe I'm done with this episode after this point because I'm just tired pants. The second <laughs> half is good. Second half gonna be and, uh, Before we get too too far into this, I do want to also mention that we are recording on a brand new platform tonight. Yes. Uh, so if we sound better, good. And if we sound worse, bad. But please please <laughs> let us know. We will probably sound different. Like this we, should sound different. We sh we did a test and it sounded pretty good. So hopefully this is good. And hey, uh, Nintendo has promised to possibly play around with the video. So you might even be looking at our mugs right now. Which, <laughs> if that's true, I apologize. Yes, apologize. we're very disappointing. Like but <laughs> you know, no, I mean, it, just us. I mean, we're just we're just us. I mean, that's just not much to really yeah. look at. But uh, you know, hey, you know, we, we are this is what we got. Are this we? Is what we, yeah, yeah. Also, that. Anyway, right. so hopefully we sound a lot better, and if we do, we'll we'll continue with this platform and leave Zoom behind because I would love that. I would love nothing more than that. That would be great. Like a Mazda in Zoom, Zoom, mm -hmm. Zoom, and <laughs> in science. Science involves, you know, technology upgrades and 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 getting better mm -hmm. stuff. So hey, this is this is that. This yeah. is science this in is action we're, right now. We're sciencing up right now. Right now, yeah. Right now, you heard science. a glowing up. We we are we are blowing up with science, but not on the internet. So no, no, sadly, that's okay. <laughs> we're gonna blind you. Maybe science. this will be the one to do it. You know, Maybe. I mean, who's out there doing nostalgia casts on Bill Nye the Science Guy? I mean, nobody. 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 Certainly nobody. This retro Redoctopus, at least. Yeah. At the very least. At the, at the very, very least. least. <laughs> yeah. Um. So <clears throat> here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna okay. start us off. Uh, I am hosting this episode, so I will I will kick things off. Uh, and then we will just go around the table. We'll do uh, me, Steve, Nintendo. Yeah. <clears throat> and then what, um, you know, we're, we're, I mean, we got spiels. We'll give us mm -hmm. spiels. We'll chit-chat in the middle. We'll mm -hmm. pause for, for funsies, uh, you know, when we feel like it. Um, but I can just get into it. I just need to cough really hard. So give me one second. See, you couldn't hear me. Nope. <laughs> I was good. But with video, it's really funny because they all just <laughs> saw me yell into my arm. Uh, so. Hey! Oh, <laughs> all right. Yo, get off of my snot. So, uh, <laughs> all right. So, Bill Nye the Science Guy. We're going in. An American science education TV show created by Bill Nye, James McKenna, and Aaron Gottlieb. The show had a total of six seasons and 101 episodes. It was produced in Seattle, Washington by Simon Griffith and ultimately would land in the hands of Disney. Uh, it, it originally aired on PBS from 93 to 98 and ran on syndication throughout that time up until 1999. Uh, I have a little bit of history about Bill Nye and how the show even got started, which I think is super cool. Uh, full disclosure, this is pretty much all research from Wikipedia. I had no way to know this info, so just putting it out there. Um, I'm kind of reading it as is, but it's it's very, very interesting. Uh, so 
Bill Nye was an engineer for the 747 airliners at Boeing and had moved to Seattle in 1977 after he was accepted for this job. Bill Nye began to perform stand-up comedy in his spare time after he entered and won a Steve Martin look-alike contest. I'm like, dude, he looks nothing like Steve Martin. So who the no. fuck else was competing? A shoe? <laughs> I mean, you beat the shoe. I mean, you beat the shoe, Bill Nye, but that's not saying much. It's a Pokemon. It's a shoe. Pokemon, yeah. My so, favorite one. So, yeah, he won a... Uh, a, a Steve Martin look like contest at a comedy club, which led to him meeting fellow comedians Ross Schaefer and John Kester. Uh, Nye eventually left Boeing in 1985 to join Schaefer and Keister in writing and performing for Almost Live, a then fledgling sketch comedy TV show produced by local NBC affiliate King TV. Uh, during his tenure on the show, Nye began cultivating a science-explaining TV persona. The first instance of this persona occurred in, 90, in 1985 when Nye called up Schaefer on air to correct his pronunciation of the word gigawatt. So I'm sure it was gigawatt versus gigawatt. Look, I, I don't know which one's right. No one says gigawatt, but that's, you know, Doc's always right. So uh, I don't know. But uh, anyway, so so he called up to correct his pronunciation, to which Schaefer reported, who do you think you are, Bill Nye, the science guy? Uh, as a result, Nye was subsequently asked to give scientific answers to the show's call-in questions. His persona's first on-air appearance, as it's contemporarily known, happened on January 10th, 1987, by circumstance when the primary guest for that night's performance of Almost Live called in to cancel. And they Steve had no Martin. Steve Martin was like, I want my, I want my gig back, man. I want my You're face still back, all, man. I all my work. I can't do my work. Um, so he called. They, they canceled. And so they said, hey, Bill, you know, come on in. So they, they had him go up there and do a demonstration of, like, liquid nitrogen. And just, just, like, do a science thing. Uh, and so during the demonstration, Bill Nye submerged a whole onion in liquid nitrogen and then shattered it on the stage and, and people went bananas. Uh, they didn't go onions. They went bananas. That was going to uh, say, like, wouldn't you go onions? No. I mean, <laughs> I, I, yeah, yeah, it's fair. Uh, so, so that, you know, that was kind of the first persona as, as Nye produced more demonstrations for Almost Live, he began to develop the idea of a show featuring the Science Guy persona. King TV declined the proposal and eventually received assistance from station alumni James McKenna and Aaron Gottlieb. Together, the group pitched the show as, as Watch Mr. Wizard Meet Pee-wee's Playhouse. That was, that was how they envisioned the show, which is pretty funny because, you know, we have one of those shows on the, on the episode tonight. Uh, and you know, seeing that show, it's like, okay, I, I feel like maybe that's what they went with. Um, their pitch lasted for four years. I think there were just so few science shows where there right. was, you know, an older person trying to just bequeath the knowledge of the atom to young, young tots. Right. Right. There's really no one else to even like in the conversation. Like, yeah. I'm surprised that Beekman's World was not one of the one of those two that were listed there. So maybe it just wasn't. well, they came out at the same oh, exact yeah. time. Yeah. Okay. So 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 then they were they were contemporaries. They were mm -hmm. not 
Okay, I thought Beekman was earlier. That's interesting to nope. know. Um, so yeah, so they said, watch Mr. Wizard meets Pee-wee's Playhouse. Uh, they tried to pitch the show for four years. They were declined by Fox and tons of other networks. And they eventually were able to convince an Elizabeth Brock of local PBS member station, KCTS-TV, to take a chance on the idea. Um, they commissioned a pilot for the show for Bill Nye the Science Guy, which aired on April 14th, 1993 on the station itself before it was airing on PBS nationwide. Um, it, after that point, Bill Nye was able to get underwriting from the National Science Foundation in the U.S. Department of Energy. Nye's program became a part of a package of syndicated series that local stations could schedule to fulfill children's television act requirements. Because of this, Bill Nye the Science Guy became the first program to run concurrently on public and commercial stations. Holy crap. Like that, you know, yeah. was... Uh, what a what a freaking you know series of just like crazy events um mm. so you know just to get into the show uh bill Nye. i mean let, let's let's start off with with some organic shit here bill nye was so everywhere in in like you know when i was growing up like bill nye was was the mm -hmm. science guy everyone knows the theme song mm -hmm. everybody can you know picture what he looks like and he was in like i said uh substitute teachers like utility belt and honestly half the time it wasn't even it didn't have to be a science class that you had to sell <clears> but man they pulled out they're like like bill nye tape today bill, bill nye tape today or worksheet bill nye tape Ooh, cake or death cake or like, death uh ooh, ooh ah i think i'll take was, the death no 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 cake cake all right you said death i meant cake i meant cake um yeah, so I mean, this show was just everywhere, uh, and is a huge reason. I mean, that's why I wanted to do this episode, just because it's it's a fun thing to talk about, and there are lots of shows like this, or at least some shows like this throughout the decades. Um, but the show, as it as it is, uh, Bill Nye the Science Guy stars a fictionalized version of Bill Nye playing himself, taking on all sorts of different scientific topics. He focuses on one very specific thing per episode and presents them to kids and young uh, young adults in just like a variety of fun and engaging ways, whether it's like a skit or an experiment or just like a piece of information or whatever. But it's almost always all tying back to that same like core one thing that they're trying to tell you. Mm -hmm. um, like for that episode. For that episode. It's like yeah. this episode mm -hmm. is air pressure. This episode right. is biodiversity. So like and they would often just focus down onto like one or two sentences. And then they would just repeat those through different examples all throughout it. And it's like, okay, this is pretty effective. You're not trying to tell too much at once. You're just really honing in on like this one thing. As long as you get that. It's like, okay, yeah, totally, totally legitimate. Um, so... The, the show has a lot of sketches, a lot of skits. Uh, and one thing I did not remember, but this show, like, for, for quantity of musical spoofs, is pretty goddamn close to Weird Al. Like, yeah. almost every single episode has a deliberate music video spoofing some song that you know. Like the first episode I watched was about air pressure and they did, it was a, it was the band was Nivana and the song was smells like air pressure. <laughs> I don't, that's too, that's too concealed. I don't know what that is referring to. Right. Hmm. Right. And, uh, and the music video that they played was a total like parody of the Nirvana music video. I'm like, 
this is ridiculously like in depth. Oh, the Nirvana. Oh, sure. Mm. That's yeah, pretty esoteric. Right? I don't yeah, know. I know. It's it's pretty obscure. Hmm. Uh, but yeah, I'll be perfectly honest. I didn't remember they did that. Uh, hmm. So they had. They also had Bill's Got a Boat by Surf Floats a lot. <laughs> It's like Bill's got a boat. Dun, 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 dun. Bill's got a boat. <laughs> it's so baby fucking back. funny. Oh yeah, it's the baby got back, and I, 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 I was there watching lie. these episodes, and I'm just laughing. I'm like, it's so fucking oh, man. funny. It's really dumb and just like actually so funny. Uh, and then there, there's a, an episode way later, like in season four or something. I didn't see it, but I was reading through Wikipedia of all the different song parodies, and they claimed they're like yeah they did a star they did a parody of a uh, highway star by deep purple and i'm like no they fucking didn't no what? way i'm like that's that's a load of shit where is this and so i i looked it up and it is in the episode about the sun and uh and i don't know there's like this one section of the episode that just comes out of fucking nowhere. It feels like a VH1 advertisement like for a new music video. So mm-hmm. like there is the band in the background is called Deep Yellow and the song they're playing is called My Favorite Star. <laughs> and it's like a metal song and the, there's like a narrator that's like talking over it and explaining like the different members of the band, but you can kind of hear the music video behind it and mm-hmm. they just like for no reason are like let's just What's this episode about? The sun? I don't know. I kind of just want to do like a metal music video. <laughs> can we yeah, can just, weird. Just swing that? It's like, this has nothing to do with anything. This is just totally out of goddamn nowhere. Yeah. But I, I heard it and I'm like, it, it's, it is not a cover or, or even like melodically the same at all. But it's just like, it's a, it's a metal song. They were like, eh, Deep Yellow. It's a cheap joke. Um, so anyway. That's a that's a big part of the show, which I did not even remember. Which you would think, knowing how much I like music, that would have been a big thing. Yeah. I don't even remember it. Um, and then the thing that was really cool is that at the end of each episode over the credits, they would play bloopers from the whole episode. So that was really fun. Um, nice. The Bill Nye, the Bill Nye theme, uh, Science Guy theme song was written by songwriter and former math teacher Mike Green. Uh it was inspired by Danny Elfman and Oingo Boingo, because of course it is. Oh, because everything course, I yeah. like has to do. It with all Oingo comes Boingo. back to Boingo. And I only got into <laughs> Boingo in the last like six to eight years. Honestly, it was after college. It's really because insects yeah. they just make you want to dance. Dance. Da-da-da. Da-da-da. <laughs> Those insects make me dance. Well, who do you want to be today? Um. So, you know, of course, the, the theme song is by far the thing this show is known most for. Like, good mm-hmm. lord, do people know the theme song to Bill Nye the Science Guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love it, but it's just, uh, it's wild. Bill Nye the Science Guy. Bill, 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 Bill. Inertia is a property of matter. Bill, 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 the Science Guy. Bill, Bill, Bill. Yeah, yeah. Um, that theme song is is legendary. Uh, and I guess the guy who wrote it wanted to do professional singers. They had He had recorded a, a version with him, his own voice. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, this sucks. I'll just submit it for, for them to approve the idea or whatever. And so they, they liked it. And then he went and recorded it with like all these real singers and like a rock vocalist and all this other stuff. And he brought it to them. And, he's, and they're like, 
hey, what happened? Where's your voice? And he's like, oh, no, my voice sucked. I, that was just a placeholder. They're like, no, it was good. It was funny. Can we, we, we want that. And so he's just like, uh, uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> so, okay. So the, uh, the only part that he didn't sing, I guess, is like, there's the one female vo voiceover and then there's the, the bills, the bell, 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 bell. So the story behind the fucking recording of the bills is that this guy, I guess had, you know, was in and out of like studios recordings and stuff a, a lot. And he, he had he was at the studio and there was, he had like a bunch of friends over that were like rappers and he just had them. He, he, they, they showed up and he's like, Hey, actually real quick guys, can you just go into the sound studio and just yell bill over and over again? Just go bill, bill, bill. Like, you know, just, just do that for me. And they're like, that's really random and weird, but yeah, okay, we'll try it. And so they went in there, they recorded it and then he's like, cool, thanks. And then they're like, what's this for? And he's like, I can't really tell you uh, because it was just like this whole thing. Um, <laughs> and then later on, when the show finally came out, they're like, oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> like, like such a randomly long time to be like, why did he have us do that? <laughs> like, we don't know. Why did he just tell us to do that? <laughs> so funny. Um, there was there was a lot of segments to the show. Like, there were recurring segments. There was like, now, consider the following. And it would be like, right. you know little thing and he would just be like thinking and then he like kind of talks to you about uh you know some some kind of deep thought um there's like the way cool scientist and expert discusses the fact of the episode's theme um they did something called pet rock theater where they had animated pet rocks performing like a thing uh, i don't know uh there was <laughs> There was there was a, a show a segment called Richie Eat Your Crust and it was Bill Nye and the Family Crust perform an act themed around telling the title boy to eat your crust instead of eat my dust. I don't know. I mean, there couldn't have been that many episodes relating to geology to still be talking about the crust for this to be like a recurring segment. Um, maybe maybe it was a like a pizza themed episode. I'd like to think that. I'd like to think that. <laughs> uh, but my favorite one is, uh, there's a whole bunch, but my favorite was the, did you know that? And he goes, did you know that? <laughs> and then the guy would be like, there's something over there, blah, blah, blah. This is a thing that's important and you should know it. And also, this is another thing you should know. And then the guy would come back and go, now you know! <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And it's just like the... The total contrast of that, I, I love that. Um, and then all those music videos were, were technically considered the soundtrack of science. Um, I don't know. That was their that was their branding for that section. Um, I'll wrap it up here. Uh, I mean, for me, Bill Nye the Science Guy is remarkably contemporary in style and tone. Sure, it has that edge of like the '90s extreme vibe, like you know, all this kind of spastic energy going on. But it shares a lot in common with the entertainment of today. The episodes have this like real kinetic energy to them, with lots of fast edits and smash cuts, and like injected sound effects over the live action on screen, and just like the the interrupting guy who when Bill's like, "So yeah, I was over here and I lit this candle, yeah. then I uh -huh. hold this candle over oh. here, and now oh, if you actually hot. take a look at it and mm. you put a piece of paper." over it you're gonna it's like that that shtick is gorgeous it's freaking funny as hell and it's so apt to like comedy now like i could see that being you know 
very on brand for how people think things are funny now. Um, and the other thing is that the there are some really incredible like gags that they did for just a one second shot. And and honestly, like just watching the show and being like, look at this friggin' show. Look at what they recorded here. This is an educational show for for kids, and they built a whole like fake TV network thing of it was the biodiversity episode. This guy was trying to sell like the ability to make an animal go extinct. Like he was a bad guy. So he's like, call me up and request an animal. We'll make them go extinct for you. And so then like the animals in the mosquitoes one by one be killing him. Like, like they would cut to him and then go away and then cut to him again. And like a different animal is trying to kill him. And then they would cut back. And it was like, it's just like a random gag. The the one that totally friggin' blew me over was that in, I think it's that same episode. Uh, they're talking about like uh, the loss of habitat and, you know, you know, kind of encroaching of different things like that and they were like they showed bill sitting at a full like office desk in a riverbed with the water like all the way up to the top of the desk almost and it was all decorated with stuff it was like here's his cup of pencils and the phone and the printer and all this other shit and he's sitting there just you know talking right to the camera telling you the lesson and he's in this riverbed with all this stuff and then they cut away and then when they cut back to Bill, the entire desk is fully submerged. He has a scuba tank on, and they are filming him talking, telling you the the lesson between breaths of his scuba gear. And he's completely submerged. Right. This fucking desk and all the stuff is fully <laughs> right for this like two second and gag. It's just this like two second gag. And I'm like, right. good lord, that's really friggin' impressive. Like they just they did not just film a dude in a room talking to you. They went totally <laughs> ape shit with it. And uh it's it's cool. It's honestly great. You know, there's there's a lot of videos of it on YouTube for like full episode watching and stuff. Um and then just to wrap up on Bill Nye in general, he did some shorts for the Noggin Network uh, in 1999. And then he got a new show with Netflix in 2017 called Bill Nye Saves the World, where he kind of targets more like politically charged things like climate change and alternative medicine. And also just like goes about refuting and like debunking anti-scientist people on the internet and whatever. Um, I don't know. It wasn't like, I don't know. It wasn't a flavor I loved, but hey, it's it's something he's doing to adapt. Uh, and and he had some random cool guest stars like Neil deGrasse Tyson, Alton Brown, Zach Braff, Joel McHale, and Diedrich Bader, and like a bunch of random other people that were like repeat just visitors guests on it. Um, but yeah, I mean that's that's the skinny on Bill and I. I mean I don't know if you guys really you know saw it other than I don't know. Like, I mean, Steve, I think you probably saw it because I saw it, but also I saw it mostly at school. So I'm trying to even think. Well, I mean, it was just it was just one of those things. Like you said, he was so culturally important at the time. He was just yeah. <clears throat> everywhere. He was just part of the zeitgeist. He was just Bill right. Nye, the science guy. Yep. And um, yeah. He, uh, yeah, I mean, I saw the show and um, I think I also probably saw episodes, honestly, uh, at school that where there was a weird day and they would... I think we probably also had that as well um, right. uh, and stuff. So, I mean, I think they just continued to use him for a really long time. Cause so the show aired from like 93 to, to 98, went, 93 to 98. Yep. And it was and, on, um, until 99. So, 
It seems weird that it was only in syndication for one extra year. I thought that too. I wanted to look up exactly what they meant by that, but I think I think what they meant was what they said about how it was on commercial TV and it was on local access. So it was on local access from 1993 to 1998, but it was mm-hmm. part of that like programming package that commercial ne- networks could buy for children's television. So I think that's like the syndication and that was going from the start or from whenever until 99. I'm not yeah. really sure. Yeah, it, it seems like it might be something weird like that because it was on so many networks. But um, one thing I remember too is the uh, like there was a lot of very like funny sound effects that they would just throw in for just additional possible yeah. comedy noise. And the one I remember the most, I happened to actually the episode that I watched for this episode tonight was they played it, which is this just hilarious chicken sound. It was just <laughs> a big long bagok. <laughs> it was like really super high pitch, like <laughs> and um, they. I didn't get to hear that one. Yeah, I don't know. It was just a recurring sound <laughs> effect on the show, and it was uh, hilarious. And uh, Joe and I used to always do that back in high school. We do the bagok because it was really funny. Because it was like it was like really lo- it's long. It's longer than it needs to be, and it's just, it's just funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the the sound effects of the show make me laugh a lot. And like the one there's ones where like he'll be poking something and it'll just be like doink doink doink. Oh yeah. Doink, Everything doink, like doink, 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 where it's like it's like the yeah. exact same fucking sound effect but they do not miss a single contact. Mm-hmm. It's like doink 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 every fucking time. Mm-hmm. It's like that's yeah. just comic gold. It really is. Like it's such <laughs> subtle funny stuff. And uh and yeah, there's the the what it's technically the narrator. I call him the narrator guy, whatever, the deep voice like guy. And uh, oh, uh-huh. Bill. yeah, oh, Bill, oh, Bill. Oh. Uh, we have to go to commercial. Bill, my 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 favorite was there's an episode on uh, changes of of matter, salt, uh, liquid, and gas, and uh, and they're like, oh, okay, we're gonna do this experiment where we're we're you know taking this uh, this block of ice and we're gonna put it in a frying pan and you're gonna watch it go from all one phase to you know through all of them. And the kids like go to pull this ice block out of the freezer, and they uh, they open it up and they take it out of the bag and he puts it in his hands. And then the the deep voice guy's like, "Ooh, ah, ee, ooh, watch, watch it, ooh, oh, ooh, ah, ooh, ooh, oh, watch, ooh, watch it." It's like he's just like he just keeps <laughs> doing that like so long. And then as soon as like you know any time they they have any contact with the ice cube, it's like, "Ooh, ooh watch, ooh, watch, ooh, watch it." And then. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and then like the episode goes for like you know 10 more minutes a bunch of things happen and then at the end of the episode for some reason there's like something they light on fire and they just like they bring that exact sound bite back again just for that guy they're like ah we did this like 10 minutes ago it's funny then we're done with it and it's like ah here's one more and uh it's just uh it's really very funny i i don't know so yeah the sound sound effects are definitely something that are like, nice a big yeah. part of it um yeah. Yeah. yeah no, nice. No. That's what's up. That's what's good in the hood. So nice. uh, we're going to move right along. Uh, so I think we did Parasite Steve next. Okay. Um, so mine, uh, my pick is Beekman's World. And uh, as we nice. said, this was a contemporary to Bill Nye the Science Guy. I feel like Bill Nye was a lot more popular, but I don't know. They were roughly the same amount of successful um, yeah. So this show ran for only four seasons, but it did have 91 episodes. So uh, Bill had how many? Like Bill had 101. It was like yeah, 100 plus pretty close. 
Yeah, pretty close. Yeah, really. So this had four seasons, but they weren't concurrent. There were sometimes uh, years in between. So uh, it ran from 92 to 98. Um, but it was based on the... Uh, I did not know this until doing research for this episode. It was based on a comic strip kind of thing. It's called a comic strip. It doesn't really look exactly like, like you think. But it was a Universal Press Syndicate syndicated... Uh, educational comic strip called You Can with Beekman and Jax, no uh, which which ran from 91 until 2016 when its uh, author illustrator passed away. It lasted about six months after he passed away. And uh, that was that. Um, so the basic idea was, you know, for the comic strip was it was actually a, it wasn't I mean, it was trying to be funny, but it was trying to, you know, teach something or um you know, do an experiment or something like that. So, you know, it, it was a, you know, similar to idea to the show, but the thing that really transferred over into the show was the fact that people would write in with letters. So that is a big, huge thing with Beekman's world. So, um, uh, where Bill Nye, you mentioned, had a lot of like, you know, themes to the episode. If if the episode is about air pressure or inertia, then we're going to do a bunch of stuff that all relate to that core theme. But on Beekman's world, it really wasn't like that because they just did random, uh, like, listener reader letters and yeah. i i never knew if they were real or not and they right. were they were actually real um that's awesome which is which is makes it even cooler honestly um right. really really cool so um anyway i'll get into the structure of the episodes but uh it starred a actor and puppeteer by the name of paul zaloom Zaloom, Zalumio. as as Beekman, he wasn't really Doctor Beekman. Like he was just Beekman. Like that's just what they that only referred to hey, him as. Hobby Beekbud, Beekbud. Uh, he was our host, a very eccentric scientist, very in your face, very loud, very talky with his hands. Um, everybody in this show just talked to the camera at all times, just constantly like, and then you do this and be really loud and. And uh, anyway, so he he wore uh, a green lab coat, much like Dr. Forrester from MST3K, and had like crazy hair, much like Dr. Forrester from MST3K. Uh, also starred uh, the only other person to be in every episode of this show was Mark Ritz, uh, who played Lester D. Rat, a.k.a. Guy in a Rat Suit. And he was just kind of this crass... Who's like literally an actor. He's like, I've gotten better jobs than this. It's like... Yeah. 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 Like he, he would sometimes they, they couldn't decide. And I think they just didn't care. They were just playing right. with it and whatever at the whims of the writers. But um, sometimes he would like play off like he was a real rat. Like he had a tail. I mean, he's in an obvious rat costume. You can see his real face and his beard. And he's just kind of got like yeah. a nose on a string yeah, on his right. face. Right. That, uh, a zipper, and a zipper on his suit. And a zipper on his suit. And he would sometimes talk about how, yeah, he was just an actor and how his, his agent got him this stupid gig and he's going to get fire him and, and all this stuff. And then 
he would like in other episodes, he was like, no, he's really a rat. And like, you would step on his tail and it would hurt. Or you would like could tickle his rat nose and he would sneeze and stuff like that. And it just, it just sort of didn't make any sense, but he often referred to himself as a guy in a rat suit. And I always thought that was really funny. Mark Ritz sadly passed away of cancer uh, about, uh, I think like 15 years ago. Um, But he, he did, he did go on to produce uh, some shows and do some other work. He wasn't just uh, the guy in a rat on Beekman's world, but, uh, he was definitely one of my favorite parts of the show by far. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, rounding out the, the very small cast, uh, was the lovely assistant. And, uh, this, this role was, was actually taken by three different actresses over the span of the show. So season one definitely had Doctor Who companions. Yeah. Right. Doctor Who companion, pretty much. Um, <laughs> only the same Doctor Who, just the companion would like, uh, right. would swap out. Right. So, um, Alana Eubach, is uh, the original actress who played uh, Josie was the first assistant. They're always different assistants. They didn't yep. like recast uh, the character. And so- she, she is so funny and so unique. And uh, she has such a strange, unique voice, especially on the show. She really like has this raspy mm. voice. She really plays up. Uh, she actually has been in like a remarkable amount of stuff. Um, most notably, she's in the two Legally Blonde movies. But um, I remember her most from this movie, Waiting, which uh, which is a Ryan Reynolds movie, like one of Ryan Reynolds' first movies. Um, really? Yeah. Wow. Who's in that? Yeah, yeah. It was like it was like right around the time of uh, like Van Wilder, and yeah. he ju- he just was like, yeah, making a couple movies. He wasn't like a big star or anything yet, but she was in that, and uh, she played a very uh, non kid centric role and had some some very funny gags that I'll just leave there. If you haven't seen Waiting, you should just go see it. It's actually a very funny movie. Uh, she's also what's her name? Uh, her name is Alana Ubach. Alana Ubach. Okay. Yeah. And she was also in uh, the show that's still going on now, the critically acclaimed Euphoria, um, oh. starring, um, oh my God, Zendaya. So I know people oh, okay. really like that show. So she's been in a bunch of episodes of that. Um, so that was that was Josie. And she was she was very, very unique and funny. And I liked her a lot. I, they were all great, but Josie was just my favorite. Yeah. Um, so seasons two and three... Um, Eliza Schneider came in to play the second second um, assistant. Her name was just Liza, and uh, she was also also very funny um, and very cute and great and whatever. But I don't know. She just didn't have that that weirdness that Josie had because Josie would be like she'd like make weird faces and like and like be really weird and like and like she was just very unique. Anyway, season four. Uh, her name is Senta Moses, and she played Phoebe. So, um, oh, I actually n- I never saw any Phoebe episodes. I never saw the final season clearly, but that was much later. That was ninety eight. So I was I graduated call co- uh high school, high school not college, yeah. high school by then. So I wasn't I wasn't even aware that the show was still on at that point. But I mean, it started right. ninety two. So I guess it started a year before B- uh, Bill Nye, which is crazy. I, I actually thought. I thought Bill Nye came first by a lot. That was my yeah. guess. Um, right. But they're yeah, basically I mean, he was contemporary. Trying to, he was, right. He was trying to get the show to happen for so right. many years. But I'm sure visually, you know, the two shows are too similar visually. They're, ve- they're Honestly, honestly, they're very, very similar. Uh, both, uh, you know, I had written down that this show is a combination of Mr. Wizard and Pee Wee's Playhouse. That's what no I wrote. No fucking way. 
it i mean it, it the show is that's yeah so crazy that's literally yep. what Bill Nye said yeah so uh i mean it, so beekman's world yeah. as 90s as you can possibly get um yeah. it was it was packed with um groan inducing dad jokes half baked half baked accents sound effects quick cuts yeah, so many yeah. accents my god wacky incidental music big flashing text and loads of charm it was really really fast paced it was really in your face and uh they were really uh making sure that you never had a chance to get bored and um and they they succeeded you know i mean i do think you could say that both shows were a little on the obnoxious side because of right. that because they just really are just like constant like it never shuts up it's just like somebody's talking there's anytime there's a second for a sound effect like we were saying like the the hand like the point 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 or whoosh, 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 like there's kung fu sound effects every time somebody talks with their hands which was almost constant yeah and uh you know it it really was like that but i i think it was i think it was very entertaining i personally really enjoyed beekman's world more than bill nye i just thought it was funnier but um yeah i mean uh you know he there were a lot of like little gags like you had said bill did that i didn't i didn't even remember some of those that he played like you know characters on the show or, and like like beekman would do this one where he would uh he had mr he had a uh, professor i am boring and he would like have just yeah. it, was, it was it was like a black and white like old film reel sort of quality and he had buck teeth and glasses and he'd be like oh well what we have yeah and you know he'd be like super super boring like just for a part of it just to right, right. mix it up or whatever and he had like he played a lot of like historical figures like if they're going to talk about tesla then he's just going to show up as tesla and do like a bad accent and you know and yep. and that you know alexander graham bell the same like wh whoever you know he's just gonna just do that and um uh i think the the show is sort of better when it wasn't really trying for that i think i think paul's paul zaloom was amazingly great as beekman and yep. sort of that was enough for me but um so basically every episode was divided into three basic parts part one they would just start with um either the lovely assistant or um, or Lester D. Rat reading a fan letter. As I said, there were real letters written in from kids um, that asked a sciencey question. And then Beekman would launch into this long-winded roundabout answer and really take his time getting to the answer and explain as much of the concepts as he could along the way to make sure that you were kind of getting the whole picture, not just answer the question. The first segment, he took a long time to get to his answer. Um, and a lot of times it would involve a skit or an experiment, a lot of times an experiment, yeah. um, I would, you know, explain the, the core concept and, you know, answer the question and you had fun, had fun along the way. Uh, but it would take like, you know, seven minutes or something, you know, of him trying to get to that answer. Um, some examples that I happened to see, uh, were like, where do puddles go? simple question where do they go uh what's the deal with volcanoes how is snot formed or the final question on the last episode of the show ever why do we fart fair question jimmy let's get around to that <laughs> so that was part one and part two was called beak mania 
And this uh, this turned the fan mail into a rapid fire try to stump Beekman type section. Uh, usually it was Lester would come out with this big, he had like this big cylinder, this horizontal cylinder with a crank on it of letters, just chock full of letters. And he would just crank it and turn them all and they would tumble and tumble and tumble. And then there was a little door and he would stop it and open the door and pull out a letter and either Lester or Josie or whoever the assistant was would read uh, like three or four. And these answers were direct. So he wouldn't like take his time. He wouldn't do roundabout. He wouldn't do an experiment. It's just a matter of, you know, like let's answer this in under a minute, you know, 30 seconds to a minute. And they do like like, a rapid fire, type rapid fire, just, and they're always like trying to stump them. Like that's kind of, kind of the thing. Um, And uh, that, that's, pretty pretty much usually how that would go sometimes at the end of it sometimes the final question he would launch into a skit on the last one sometimes and then part three was one of two things as far as i could tell um either he would just repeat the first part and just simply read one more letter and do another long-winded explanation with another experiment and skits and stuff like that or they would do the beekman challenge and that was that they made a big deal there was pomp and circumstance in this particular section so in this time they would basically flip it on its head so beekman was asking the questions and he would uh present a situation to either one or both of his assistants that um would seem like utterly impossible and uh he'd be like so do you think i can rip this phone book in half or you know do you think um yeah i can stab a plastic straw all the way through an uncooked potato or you know you know whatever it was and it would always seem impossible and like generally the answer was always it seems impossible but i can do it but sometimes he would mix it up and he'd be like it seems impossible and it is and then he would like tell you something why that he brought it up or something like you know there's another way to do it or something um and in later later seasons they also had um they had like uh like lester would sometimes do the lester challenge or like the the assistant would have like the Liza challenge or whatever, and uh, and they would try to stump Beekman on that section too. So they did have structure, much like Retro Octopus, but they would also play with it and have fun. And it wasn't like that big a deal. They would kind of be loosey goosey, and I really liked that. Yeah, you never knew exactly what you were going to get. Um, so before any experiment was done. Because the show did have a lot of experience, more experiments than Bill Nye. Bill Nye wasn't really chock full of experiments for you to do at home. He would do stuff, but you couldn't replicate it most of the time. Either it was too dangerous or you you wouldn't have had the equipment or whatever. Beekman was more about presenting you with things that you could try at home. But every single time an experiment was uh, about to be shown, one of the cast members would say the following statement. Any experiment performed at home should be done with adult supervision and all appropriate safety precautions should be taken. All directions should be followed exactly and no substitutions should be used. 
That same exact warning was given uh, again nice. during the end credits as well. Um, so they always they always just took a minute and they're like, okay, and blah, blah. And it was always unique for that episode. They would always re-record it with whoever for that one episode. Um, and uh, uh, not all the time, but a lot of times, sometimes uh, when Beekman would... Just, just he needs a shabiban. He needs like a like. Oh yeah, I just yeah, yeah. We just did an ex- a successful experiment. And he's like feeling real good, and he just made himself a sandwich. And he's like, he's like, oh, I need a word. So he would, his word was Zaloom, which was his, his last name. His last name, his real last name. Which at the time I think I thought was a Jewish word. It's just it's Yiddish. He's speaking. I thought it sounds, it sounds it. Yeah, it's not. It was his name. So Tony Shalom. Um, yeah, yeah. Um. Uh, also worth mentioning at the beginning and the end of every episode, but also usually I think at the commercial breaks, they had these two penguin puppet guys. Oh, and yes. I like these guys. It's so random. They were very random because they were the only puppets on the show. Now, remember, Paul was a puppeteer. Um, apparently, uh, Mark Ritz, who played Lester, was also a puppeteer. He Mark actually puppeted one of the penguins. Paul did not. Um, and the two voices were other, I don't know, it wasn't any of them um, who voiced them. The, the names didn't sound familiar. I didn't write them down. I don't know. Anyway, and they would just kind of be like, oh, like, hey, you want to watch some TV? Oh, I guess. And it was this really great shot at the end of like the flipper just holding the remote control. And then another flipper would come on and like doink and have like a really satisfying button press doink, <laughs> like for, for just a, a, a puppet flipper. It was really satisfying. I was like, doink. That. It was, yeah. And uh, yeah, I mean, uh, these guys were pretty fun. And their names were Herb and Don. And that is a reference to Mr. Wizard because his name is Don Herbert. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. So that's, that's pretty nice fun. Thing. Yeah. Pretty fun. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Uh, I mean, that's that's basically Beekman's world. Um, there was a lot of episodes that I saw, some of which I I totally remember like certain experiments from and like i i do vividly remember the episode where one of the challenges was like rip, can, you know can you rip a a phone book in half and obviously that seems impossible and it's like no he did it he showed that there is a way to do it you yeah. have to like you know bunch up the paper in a certain way so technically you're only ripping one page at a time you're not rip, ripping the entire thing yeah and uh i just it's just it's, it was it was interesting. It was interesting, and every time, like, you know, he explains why specifically. Like, okay, and the other one I mentioned, the uh, can you stab a straw, a plastic straw, through an uncooked potato? And of course, it yeah. seems impossible. Like, why would that work? The the right. thing's gonna break for sure. And he does it, and it stabs all the way through in like one shot. And and he's like, well, you know, he explains. He's like, well. You know, the, the fact is, I'm the strongest man in the world. Yeah, <laughs> he's like, well, it's a, it's, he's like, it's a cylinder. So, so here's here's why cylinders are really strong. And what he did is just a super great way to explain this. I thought. So he's like, all right, he has a stool basically, and they had drilled a bunch of holes into this wooden like stool seat, right? Okay. And then he has dowels, and he's like, well, if you have a stool and it's got one leg, not going to stand. If you got two legs, it's not going to stand. If you got three legs, that is the bare minimum for anything like this to, you know, stand up and, and be, and be upright, but it's not going to be super stable. And he shows and you're like, yeah, you know, okay. And he's like, but if you add four or more, then it starts to become 
much more stable. And they had drilled so many holes around the, the, the circumference of this, the seat that he ended up being able to fit like 10 of the dowels in there. And he's like, now you got 10 and he, and he, you know, turns it upside down and he's you know, like smacking the top of it. He's like, you have a very stable thing. This is a very like structurally sound thing. Mm-hmm. And he's like, so if you think of a straw as basically so many dowels going around that they all touch each other, it's, it's even stronger. So like right. it can, it really is. It seems like, oh, this is just a straw. It's not going to do anything, but it's like, yeah, but there are, there's a, there's a reason why specifically this shape more than other shapes would be able right. to do this. And it I don't know, it's through just the taters. It's, it's really, uh, it's really, really cool. I don't know. I, I, I did really like it. Um, so that's that. Uh, I don't know if you guys have memories of this show. I know Joe, we both liked it on some level back in the day. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a wacky show. It's a wacky show for sure. Um, I, mean, I don't want to say too much because, you know, the next segment. But, uh, I mean, I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a really good show. Now, with, nice. with, um, with Bill Nye, I, I do remember watching, but I vaguely remember what it's about. Other than, I know it's a science show, but. Yeah. But Beacon's yeah, I, mean, for, I really liked a lot. Yeah. Beekman's World was honestly the show that was on if I got up wicked early in the morning on a Saturday. Like it was on at like 5 a.m. or something. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I almost never saw it. Um, but if I randomly was awake at that point, um, I would watch it, but I wouldn't watch much of it because at that point I had ar- I already knew Bill Nye and like it just kind of felt like not Bill Nye. It just felt like. <laughs> yeah alternate which is kind of the same reason i bounced off digimon like i got into pokemon there's nothing wrong with digimon it just felt like it was not pokemon so yeah you know, it was that kind and of you thing. were right it it wasn't i i know i was on <laughs> something but i i think that was that was just it as i was like this is probably great like people probably love this but i just didn't really want to watch it um and then after going back and watching some episodes uh you know i i do really appreciate it it's definitely you know the, there's more like like the actors there's characters you know bill nye it's like it's bill nye and then he has just like lab assistants and, and stuff and the kids repeat but they're not characters they're just like there you learn their names sometimes i don't know it's like the deep lore it's the bill nye iceberg um you know if you know all of the assistants names um that's like the tip of the iceberg uh so the other thing about beekman's world that i wanted to mention was that i looked it up and on youtube there is a show called captain disillusion um and for one i just really want to plug captain disillusion because it is a absolutely phenomenal phenomenal series uh show on youtube uh my buddy dan schneider uh he's in the retroid group uh he pointed this guy out to me a bunch of years ago and his whole shtick is that he does these like video special effects video editing debunking videos but he does it up like a beekman or a bill nye or something where it's like this production and he's this character he has this very distinct look and this like yellow coat and stuff like that but he also talks very eloquently and he'll be like you know this this video came across my feed today and i i'm I'm taking a look at it and this is what all the comments are saying and blah 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 and so he's really really skilled at debunking like special effects and videos that people are like wow can you believe this you know can you believe this happened it seems so unlikely that's crazy and he's like oh this is edited here they did a splice here like he breaks all that down it's really interesting long story long uh he did a crossover with beekman 
he he mm. revived the Beekman character for one episode to mm. talk about and debunk videos of perpetual motion machines where it's like they just they make infinite energy they never stop and so him in Beekman uh, Captain Disillusion and his assistant like revived Beekman they had this Beekman capsule and they wow. hit it and and out pops Beekman and he's on it and they do a whole episode about debunking perpetual motion machine so. Captain Disillusion comes at it from the video editing side of it and how they faked this. And then Beekman comes at it from the, this is scientifically and physically why this is an impossible concept. He's like, you know, at the start of the episode, he's like, he's like, I don't actually need uh, Captain Disillusion to tell me that these videos are fake. I know they're fake because it can't <laughs> be done. You know, it's like this whole thing. And uh, it's a really awesome, awesome crossover cool. uh, from a great channel. So that was a lot of fun to see uh, the Beekman's World crossover there. But yeah, I mean, it's 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 really solid. It, it should still be, you know, just as on par with anybody who likes Bill Nye. You know, the other one is just as good and vice versa. Right. Worth your time. Um, awesome. So let's carry on, Weird Sons, and go to Nintendo. Yes. What show do you have for me? Oh, well, I have the uh, the, the the second reboot of the Misted Wizard show, which the, the first one came out in the 50s, which was called Watch Mr. Wizard, and that lasted for, I don't know, 13, 14 years, I want to say. So it, it ran from like 1951 to 1965. And then it came back again, got revived in 1971, but that only lasted for a year. And then finally, the, the show that I'm going to be talking about is the, the second reboot, which is called Mr. Wizard's World. And that aired from 1983 to 1989. Oh, wow. Now, this show, it is, I mean, after like watching this show and then, then watching the other ones, like, okay, well, this show is kind of bit on the on the boring side because there's, there's no wackiness going on right it's just no it's just a scientist teaching a kid science stuff and it's like <laughs> like there's like there's like different there's there's like uh different segments in each episode and there's i think there's like 12 of them you have uh everyday magic supermarket science oddity what's this quick quiz how it works snapshot safari New Frontiers, Know Your Body, Close-Ups, and Challenge. And this would be in every episode or almost every episode, and uh, it's in, in a different order. Sometimes you'll see the same kid in different episodes, but other times it's like it's just a, a new kid in every segment. And each segment is like, I want to say, roughly three minutes long each. Yeah. And um show's only a half an hour long. And uh, so, some of my, my favorite segments is the... Um, the uh, the oddities, and uh, I don't want to say too much about it because it's going to be my my octoponder, and uh, which I'm really excited to to mention. Um, yeah, it, it's a it's a really good show, uh, but not as good as the other two. Uh, it was on Nickelodeon for six years. For yeah, five right. Seasons. It was it was it was yeah. It was Nickelodeon signed. Nick, Nickelodeon. Show, yep. Like. Yep. Uh, Don Herbert. No, no rest his soul. I mean, the guy would have been 106 years old this year. Wow. <laughs> he was still alive. Mr. Wizard's um, still out there, Joe. He's, 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 he's still, he's still out there stars. spiritually. He's out there spiritually. Yeah. Um, he's made of carbon. He, that doesn't go nowhere. 
That's true. Law That's of conservation true. of mass. That's true. It goes somewhere. Yeah. Nothing can disappear. Yeah. Not even flash paper, even though it seems like it does. Yeah. It just burns. It goes up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, Mr. Mr. Wizard was definitely about teaching you a lot of different random things. Yeah. I mean, there's um, like, like during each segment, there is no music playing in the background. You just hear like the the sounds from like the, the, the whatever sound is happening around right. the microphone, right. it's picking it up. It's kind of like, like <laughs> you're recording on a hot mic recorder. Yep. Like you're yeah, and you hear like the crackling you, you, and the kid the, on the, the bike down the, the street. The, the air, you can hear the air going and everything. This is really like the, the, the buzz. <laughs> um, which kind of makes it kind of boring. And also the, the kids that he's, you know, talking to are kind of yeah. <laughs> kind of annoying. Yeah, they're just like because yeah, they were real okay. kids. They weren't yeah. they're real kids. They really oh, don't yeah, they're, not actors. they're actually learning. But right. I will say this though uh, about Mr. Wizard's World or the the entire you know the franchise as it is is that I love the fact that Don was doing one on one with kids. He's like he's actually talking to these kids and teaching them. As with the other two shows, it's like okay, they're talking to the camera, mm-hmm. doing random mm-hmm. experiments or whatever, and Don's just doing like one on one with the kids and. I don't know. I just, yeah. thought, you know, yeah. a, a good difference between the other two shows. Yeah. Because it's like, okay, the kid, the one kid who happened to be in that episode, he was making their freaking life at that point mm-hmm. by having oh, yeah. you know them on. Right. So excited. And that one kid is, is as important as all the other kids. The other kids will learn vicariously. He's really teaching this one kid. Yes. Yep. Yeah, there was this one segment. I forget which segment it was, but um, the whole point of this experiment was to pick up an ice cube with string. And the kid was like, it was like, oh, I read this in a book. And it kind of like took this the the wind out of the sails. <laughs> for, for so how did he do it? Oh, really? So so he oh. first he he said he he, okay. he he had the kid take the string and he, and the kid tried to pick up the the ice with the string and he couldn't do it because the way how how he was doing it was the the string was going underneath the ice and was trying to pick up the ice and yeah like a whatever. sling or something yeah yeah and uh, so what he ended up doing was he placed one end of the string on top of the ice cube and then put salt like regular table salt dude like, he just, didn't know he had access to salt he dude, didn't explain the rules all kitchen. the ways it was in his kitchen of course it's supermarket salt. science he said pick it up with the string <laughs> maybe yes maybe whatever the fuck else i have laying around <laughs> I, I, I think it was supermarket science because that would make sense um so what they did was they just talked for a little bit and then after a, a few minutes you know he was able to take the ice out of uh the the glass the uh ice water and uh and that was it i mean it was just funny how you know the kids like oh i've read this in the book i i've seen this before <laughs> i read this yeah. in the library yeah yeah willie beamish this is how kids talk this. kids talk yeah. like this <laughs> yeah no that's okay you can still do it <laughs> um yeah, I, I I like that he was a one-on-one persona. 
You know, I don't even yes. think you got to have that with Mr. Rogers necessarily because he was always interacting with like other characters and other people. But it's like you got yeah. to be Mr. Wizard with a kid who's like, this is me. Yeah. Well, Mr. Rogers looked at the camera all the time, just like the other two shows we're talking about. Yeah. Mr. Yeah. Wizard never looked at no. the camera. Right. Yeah. He never. Never. Right. Yeah. He was always looking, always looking at, at the person. Just the yeah. kid. Yep. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, Every time, you know, it's it may not be fair, but tough crap. It, I don't make the rules. I always think of a, like the funny parody of Mr. Wizard that was on that show Dinosaurs. That was a, like a, a 90, 80s, oh, 90s wow. sitcom with like people in dinosaur costumes just called Dinosaurs. Yeah. And uh, yeah, they had they had a show. <laughs> yeah, the, not the mama show. They had a show within that show that they would sometimes be watching just like a la Itchy and Scratchy or something on The Simpsons. Yeah. And um, it was called Ask Mr. Lizard. And the joke was that, you know, Mr. Lizard was the scientist. It was totally exactly the same thing. It was there with a little kid. And the difference was the kid's name was always the same. And it was Timmy. And he'd be like, well, Timmy, this time we're going to, you know, see what happens when you fire a blowtorch into someone's face. And Timmy would be like, oh, wow, okay. And then every single episode of Ask Mr. Lizard would end the exact same way. It would end with the very, very dangerous experiment killing the little kid. And then Mr. Lizard would turn off camera and go, we're going to need another Timmy. <laughs> yeah. That's why I didn't like this Dan's show. Oh, shit. Literally the best yeah. part of the dinosaurs, I think, was the ask, ask Mr. Lizard. Hey, I mean, he left an impact on a generation. You know, he was doing it from That's 83 it. to 89. That's it's true. a long time. It's all throughout yeah. the 80s. That's right. Uh, he, yeah, he, uh, I, I just want to add, like, he, he said this, this one quote. And uh, I kind of liked it. Uh, he's, he says, my time on this earth is getting shorter and shorter each day. But no matter how old I get, and even when I when I am dead, Mr. Wizard's world will never die. And yeah. it did not. I he mean, this, he's still influencing other. Yeah, we shows. watched it. We watched it for this. That's and it's right. on we, we all just YouTube, saw on an official channel. Yeah. It's Mr. Wizard's World YouTube channel. Yeah, absolutely. That's right. Ready to rock and roll and show you all it's the up, episodes of It's also on Pluto TV, but I do not recommend Pluto TV to, to anyone. <laughs> you hate it. A, it's a piece of you shit. You severely I hate it. I severely hate it. Shit and I hate it. <laughs> it's a piece of shot. And I hate it. All right. Rock and roll. Rock and roll. Uh, all right, cool. So that takes us through the first chunk of our delightful evening. Uh, so we are going to be taking a short break, but yes. but foist, we have an Octoponder question uh, posted this to you on Facebook today, February 2nd, which is not the day that you're listening to this. This is my <laughs> reality, not yours, listener. Uh, I asked the question of... What was your, when you were at home and you had watched these shows, you, you know, we talk about, they do all these different experiments. So a lot of them were like, try these at home. So what experiments did you try as a kid? What experiments were you messing around with at home, trying to do a scientific, you know, kind of setup, uh, you know, at home, whatever. It doesn't have to be your favorite one. It doesn't have to be like the top 10, just what, what ones did you do? Uh, so we're going to, I'll come up with some answers for that, and we'll come right back. Stay tuned. 
Hello, and welcome to the Dorkening Podcast Network. Press pound to hear the available shows. That Strange Show, Throwdown Thursday, Loose Cannon with Jar Jar Jeremy, Three Guys That Horror, The New and Improved Super Retro Throwback Reviews, The Audio Files 2.0. This is probably one of Dwayne's worst films. Yeah, he's allowed to have a tooth fairy every now and then, sure. Yeah, this is a tooth fairy and then some, because it does not show the monsters tearing up buildings until the last 20 minutes of the movie. That's what the game is. It's fucking monsters tearing up a a fucking city. Secret Underground Hideout. Cinema with Harrison Smith. Dorks the Podcast. The Dorkening. Black and White Fright. The Wicked Horror Show. Subscribe to all these awesome shows anywhere podcasts can be found. For more information, check out thedorkening.com. Hi, I'm Patsy the Angry Nerd, lover of science and sharks. And I'm Ashes Von Nightmare, the real housewife of Transylvania and mistress of Merlot. And, and we're, we're the, the hosts host of, of the Throwdown Thursday, Thursday podcast. podcast. Part of the Somebodies and Grand Guignol Networks. Join us each and every Thursday as we break down all the characters you love and love to hate. That's right. We cover characters from movies, television, books, video games, and even real historical figures. Plus, we discuss science. And wine. Like, so much wine. Like, all the wine. We also pit random characters against each other in free-for-all contests voted on by you, the listener, and reveal the results the following week. Did I mention the wine? Like, there's a lot of wine. So join us on our journey through pop culture on Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, and everywhere you listen to podcasts. And we will will see you you next Thursday. This is Larry Blamire, the director of Lost Skeleton of Cadavra, and you are listening to Retro Reductopus. Oh, yeah. Hey, are you ready to do some bacon? It's about that time where we ask you, the audience, to octo-ponder this. All right, welcome back aboard, everyone. Before we took a break, I asked you guys about home experiments. What were some science home experiments that you did back as a kid when you were growing up? Trying to emulate some of the stuff that you saw on these shows. Uh, so I will start things off. Uh, I had done a... Uh, I had made one of those whirlpool bottles where you take two soda bottles or two water bottles or whatever, and you connect them at the calf, you know, like tape the ever-loving junk out of them. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you would just make sure that one of the <laughs> bottles was filled before you did that. Otherwise, probably just start over. Uh, and then you could just flip the bottle over, have the water in the top, spin it around, spin it around, spin it around. And, uh, and it would make like this awesome whirlpool vortex all the way down and uh it's a it's a really awesome way to just like look at fluid dynamics and how that stuff works but um i remember making that and having it in my room forever because i just thought it was super cool um but yeah that was mine uh nice parasite steve what about you so i remember this this one uh seminal experiment that i did um with with mom and this was probably it was definitely for school i think it was probably like first or second grade and i remember being very excited about it and then very sad when it didn't actually work but it was still a legitimate experiment i don't know what we did wrong uh but but it was growing crystals in little little dixie cups um so 
to get rich quick. This is this is like there are a ton of different ways to do this. I looked it up online. Some of them involved the freezer. Some of them did not. Ours definitely did not. This was what I believe to be the actual thing that we tried to do. Um, uh, step one: you take a put half a cup of tap water into the pan. Heat the water. Oh, step two: heat the water over a flame. You're going to make salt crystals you're you only need heat you only need to heat the water to around 140 degrees and if you're going to make sugar crystals bring the water up to boiling step three pour the sugar or salt in the water and stir keep adding more until it will no longer dissolve then just add a little bit more water and continue to heat and stir until all the material disappears and you turn off the burner let the water cool to room temperature then step five you pour the contents into the paper and or plastic cups and step six put the cup somewhere where it will not be disturbed until the liquid evaporates this could take several weeks so this is what makes me know for sure that this is the version that we tried because we knew that it wasn't going to work that day or the next day or the next day so like oh my god i i put a bunch of them. We did a bunch of them, put them on my windowsill. And like every day it was the most exciting thing to like wake up to see if there were crystals. And it just, it just for us, it just didn't work. Um, but supposedly were you doing if, it in the winter, like it had to be hot enough for a vapor. It was, it was first grade. I, I have no idea, but you know, this is probably, <laughs> I figured you slide your notebook. Four, I don't, I don't know. Know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I kept, so, uh, Scientific so, notebooks so what, <laughs> Well, you know, I'm not that scientific, I guess. So uh, when you check the cup after all the liquid is gone, you should see crystals coating the sides of the bottom and all the cups. And if you made sugar um, and or salt, they will be, of course, different shaped crystals. And there are like, you know, versions you can do with color and, you know, add food coloring and different things and whatever. But anyway, Growing crystals. I think it's a seminal kid experiment, but for us, it just didn't work. But man, I never forgot the disappointment of it not working. Yeah, yeah I know. That's a freaking bummer. That's mm -hmm. a freaking bummer. All right, uh, Nintendo, what about you? Yeah, so I didn't really do any kind of experiments, but I remember watching this one on a, on a Mr. Wizard's World that blew my mind was the, the what was the the whole iodine clock reaction and i i watched it again today i'm like oh my god i completely remember this and what well, what you would do is you would have like a little beaker and you would fill it up with uh, uh with iodine um and starch and i forget what other liquid it was um you would stir it and after a while it would it would be clear and then it would turn into like an ember color and then it would turn into like a black blue huh. and then it would and then it would oscillate for like five minutes it would keep wow. changing it would repeat that what? same process over and over again and i just thought it was the most amazing thing like this mm. is it was a mind fuck it was just, it's like holy crap like i i wanted to do it but you know whoa my parents were weird with that kind of stuff and your dad's like, uh, I don't know about iodine clocks, Joe. Uh, uh, <laughs> but I think it would be a, a fun school project, though. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, that sounds cool. I've never seen this reaction or heard heard of the iodine clock. You should look so it up. It's cool. pretty. It's pretty interesting. I, I'm I'm currently watching it. Oh my god! 
but I have to uh, I have to read some Retroid comments. Yeah, you do. We yeah, all yeah, said yeah. our shit. It's your turn. It's your turn. Our turn's over now. Aha. Uh, so I'm going to read off our answers. We have Justin Cooper, who says, don't forget Mr. Wizard, which I know. We, 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 we did it, man. <laughs> we, did it. we did it. That wasn't answering the question, though. That was just random. Uh, he just really wanted us... Says, he really wanted us to not forget Mr. Wizard. Hey, yeah, really important. Hey, hey, man. Uh, Andrew Worshford says, bake soda volcano and static electricity balloons. Hopefully not at the same time. That sounds like a mess for mom. Uh, and a physics teacher in college yelled at me once for using a trick I learned on 321 Contact. Hey, you mentioned 321 Contact. That's great because that was one of the other potential shows, but we didn't do it. Yeah. Uh, Yell there for using that to get an accurate measurement of the weight of an object. Weigh the total and then remove the part you have a question about to do math. So clearly Andrew was going around going, how much does this weigh? Okay, I weighed it with it. Now let me just cut it out. Um, <laughs> uh, Rock Solid Production says, potato clocks from Mr. Wizard were the best. So we have some stiff Mr. Wizard clock comparisons. <laughs> yes, potato clocks. That's clock. Um, Andrew Zaman says, Ooblek, before it had a name, cornstarch and water, he used to do egg in a cup of vinegar, which I believe dissolves the eggshell. Uh, yeah. And any osmosis or expanding in hot water toy, you know the sea creatures that you'd get from the aquarium gift shop. Yether. Um, I think those... I don't know, whatever. Those are experimenty. Um, Adam Laterno says, I tried a Mr. Wizard experiment where you filled a cup all the way full with water and then rested a playing card on top of it. When you turned the glass upside down, the card held the water in. It was pretty cool. Uh, Rich Davis says, my cousins and I definitely tortured insects with elements from science kits, from chemicals to trying to burn them with the sun. The insects did not deserve it. Um, damn True. It. True. Yeah, I think a lot of kids yeah. did yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. No, I uh yeah, you know, for sure. Uh that counts as an experiment. You're you were curious. You were you were learning about uh entomology, the study of entomons. How, how to how to murder insects with how to sun. kill how to kill insects. <laughs> uh Stephanie Lyman says milk and food coloring on a plate and then add dish soap. I have seen this yeah, and seen it's this, fucking yeah. amazing because yeah. it like they can't like figure out what's going on because you get like the milk, the fat in the milk. You can't do it with skim milk, like the fat in the milk and the soap in the detergent, like will not be able to sit at all with each other. So they are just like, it's constantly, like, constantly just zooming around. Yeah. Uh, it's really cool. Um, Colleen says growing those Lisa Frank crazy color crystals. Hell yeah, Colleen. Growing crystals. Girl. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Phil Conti says growing rock candy with a string, which is super cool because I saw this experiment in one of the Bill Nye episodes I watched. Uh, and then food coloring stuff, like previously mentioned, uh, remembers trying with friends to make party snaps. Uh, my all-time favorite, like, uh, novelty firework are party snaps. I loved buying those so much. You just buy a box of them and just take out the little, you know, white tea bag and whack and spow. Just those are the most fun. Uh, so we tried to make party snaps and uh, make them, put them together to have a bigger explosion. Blew my <laughs> hand never off. worked out. 
I'm writing this to you from this my left my hand. hand, my exclusive hand, yeah. my only exclusive. hand. Um, that and that's it. That's a wrap. Um, All right, Retroids. Thanks so thanks, much guys. for weighing in. Uh, I tried to at everyone because that seems like you know it helps. Uh, if you hate it, we're probably going to do it for like another month, uh, but we'll <laughs> stop soon. Um, but for some reason, when I just made the post, it just didn't do it. It didn't post it. So you got lucky. It says, screw you, guy. These nine people are the realest, okay? They didn't mm-hmm. need an ad yeah. for everyone. So, so clappity clap. Mm-hmm. Good work. Uh, so now we are on to the second half of the show. Let's do it. Let's go. We are going to be doing the show exchange, the nostalgia exchange, the <laughs> not the, not the uh, nostalgia convention. swap meet. Yeah, the nostalgia swap meet, um, or just <laughs> show swap meet. I don't know, whatever. Uh, so yeah, we can do this in different order, same order. Yeah, whatever. You're driving the ship, my friend. Uh, Steer. You know I want to change it up. So I want Steve to do yours first, and then Joe, and then I'll end it. Okay. Boomski, reverse. Okay. So let's see. My. Uh, I swap shows with Mr. 8-Bit Alchemy. So my sh- my show to to d- take an experiment from was Bill Nye the Science Guy. Bill, 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 Bill Nye the Science Guy. And uh, the the uh, experiment that I found, because like I said, he didn't have, seem to have like a ton, uh, was taken from Season 5, Episode 7. Um, and it is... I like to call it pressure in a bottle. Yeah. Don't call the police. Don't need no need to call I'm the police. SOS to your dad. Yep. Uh, to your dad. Why? I don't know why he he even is in this conversation. I just hope uh, Okay, so time. so here's what you do. Okay, here's what you do. Huh. Uh you fill a large bowl with uh-huh. ice water. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think I can do this if you're going to do that. <laughs> Damn it. Okay. All right. Yeah. And, um, and then, so, that. oh my God. Okay. I'm done. I promise. Wait, that guy was definitely added in post. Okay. Uh-huh. Like- <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 100%. Bill just paused so, all the time. Once again. So we, we, fit, we start with a large bowl, get from your kitchen. All this stuff is just normal stuff. And, uh, you fill it with ice water. Okay, so put that aside. Then you take a an empty two liter bottle of soda, you know, clean out the bottle and you fill that with very, very hot water. It does not have to be boiling. It just has to be pretty hot, not warm. Um, and then when you when you have that all full, then you just kind of like just like give it a minute, like give it a minute, like let the bottle really get warm. The plastic is like, you know nice and warm okay then you got to get the cap right and so you leave the cap off for step two you leave it off so it's getting warm it's getting warm and then you dump out all of the hot water and you take your cap and as fast as you possibly can you put that cap back on you just jam it right on that thing as quickly as humanly possible and seal it tight and it seems like it's empty, but it's not empty. Um, so uh, then you take this seemingly empty body a b- bottle and you you what? dunk it in the bowl of 
ice water that you put aside and you know what happens? Do you know what happens? What? It implodes. The bottle implodes. Yeah. Yeah. So, (laughs) you want to know why that happens? What's actually going on? Okay. So, when you dump out all of the hot water, the bottle isn't actually filled with air. It's filled with water vapor. Well, when you cool water vapor, it turns to liquid water. Because liquid water takes up much less space than water vapor does when it's cooled, the air pressure inside the bottle is dramatically lowered. And since the pressure inside the bottle is now much lower than the air pressure outside of it, the bottle actually gets crushed. So in fact, it seems like it's imploding inward, but really it is being crushed by an invisible thing. It's the air pressure on the outside is truly crushing it. And the amazing thing in this Bill Nye episode is um, like he does it at home first and, and he, he like has sort of a throwaway line at the very beginning of it. He's like a great experiment is one you can repeat. And then he just sort of blows past that. And you're like, okay. And then after he does the home version, he goes out to do a version you can't possibly do at home. And it, it was really, really interesting. He does basically the exact same thing, but with like a 50 gallon drum and it works. Wow. It doesn't matter. It works. And yeah. the thing, like when it, when it gets crushed, it's amazing. It's like faster than your eye can see. Yeah. It's just there at full Plowy. size and shape. And then bang. And it's just all of a sudden crushed. Yeah, it's all of the air outside of it. Just, wow. It just instantly has to it's really crazy. vacuum. So, Nature abhors a vacuum. It does. It does. So anyway, that, uh, that's, uh, that's my experiment I got from Bill Nye. And it, I like to call it pressure in a bottle. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you very much, sir. Uh, You're uh, welcome. Um, sir. Um, Joe. Welcome, sir. Joe, what yes, about sir. you, sir? Where am I? Well, sir. So, uh, my pick is uh, Beekman's World. And uh, it's a very good show. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, talk about this, this the last segment that I saw before we started this uh, episode. Uh, was it was talking about the, your nose and the, and the cavities in your nose and how the hairs in your nose help prevent germs from going in. It's, it's kind of like it acts like a filter. And uh, what he did to demonstrate was actually good, but gross at the same time. Uh, so he had this, this big tube and at one end, he had like a bunch of hair like wrapped around it. And on the side, it said uh, nasal cavity. And, and you have Beekman. He's like dressed in his hazmat suit and a, uh, and he's just trying to like explain. So he goes in and he goes into this thing. And then you have a, uh, what's the, the rat's name? I can't, uh, Lester. Lester. Thank you. So he has his, he has his fan on going into where Beekman went into. And he's like, uh, uh, pouring out like, like feathers and dirt and whatever into it. It's going into the, the nasal cavity. And, uh, and, and he had, uh, what's her name? Uh, I am so bad with names. So I mean, it depends on which season. Josie. So it doesn't matter. First season. First season. Josie. Josie, thank you. So and she's on the other end. And then you hear Beekman go, 
Josie, how's it look over there? And she's like, it's fresh air. <laughs> He's like, well, let me show you why you're getting fresh air. So he comes out. There's like a, there's like a, a latch, a door, like like on top of the the uh, the tube they, that he's in, and uh, he is like covered with like crap. He's like covered with like dirt and <laughs> gunk and and feathers and whatever. And he's like, this is why it's important to have nose hairs. And it's like, because he's pulling like the stuff off from like the inside. It's like he's throwing, showing to the camera, and, and and the camera guy is like like backing away. It's like, Gotta don't get go. that shit, man. It's gross. Don't you even? <laughs> hey. And uh, hey. I just, I just thought it was like, it was really cool to see, like the way how he demonstrated, it. and like he went to like that extreme. Yeah. Instead right. of showing, like, like a typical, like, okay, well, here's a, a diagram of uh, what your inside your nose looks like, and right. this is what's happening or whatever. It's like, no, he's like, they made this freaking huge, huge two for him to actually fit in and to just yep. demonstrate how like your nose hair is, is, is there for a reason it's supposed to like protect from like germs and all that shit and whatever mm-hmm. germs that do get into your body is you know the white blood cells will just you know take take care of it mm-hmm. if they can and whatnot and I, I just thought that was really interesting and yeah so that that's that's nice. what I got out of that show yeah, cool. and, I just, and I love the characters too. The, the, the characters yeah. is really what made the show, not just the experiments and what they talked about, or whatever. But I just, I generally like loved all three of those characters because I think yeah. they all worked really well together. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah. It's like more of a sitcom than than Bill Nye for sure. Yeah. It's more of like this, the comedy of this group. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Um, yeah, nice. All right. Yeah, yeah, definitely commit committed to the bit on that episode. But yeah, good, good stuff there. Uh, so I'll finish us off here. I will. Uh, I will end this with uh, the episode I watched of Mister Wizard's World. Um, and Mister Wizard's World, I just have to say, mm-hmm. there are no themes. Uh-huh. It is like a shotgun <laughs> and an index card deck of potential topics met, just yes. like Beekman. Yeah, like it is yeah. random as all fuck. And yes. I look through all these episodes and I'm like, God, what are any of these about? Like, I, I'm like, I'm just trying to watch one to be like, okay, you know, let's get into it. And I'm like, God, I, I mean, this is the most like word soup thing I've ever seen. I have, these are so yeah. random. Um, but the, the episode that I ended up doing had uh, the first thing was polarizing filters. And I was like, oh, I think polarizing is, is interesting because it's weird. And it, it's, it's like something that we use a lot with our glasses, uh, sunglasses and stuff. So I was like, I'll watch this one. Um, so yeah, there's like I said, a lot of unrelated topics. First up was polarizing filters are lenses with where the crystals are all angled uniformly in such a way that light can only pass through them in a single direction, which is why polarized lenses eliminate glare and reflections off of surfaces because those are light waves coming at us from other different directions. And so the only light that is to get to us through a polarized lens is the light that's like coming right at us. Uh, So that's, I thought that was interesting. Uh, Also, interestingly, phones, this is the next random topic. Get ready. Non sequiturs. I'm telling you, this is just like bam, whiplash <laughs> shit. Phones. Uh, phones. Very, yeah, phones. 
Right. What is this a commercial for? Um, so phones have a very interesting way of sending out information. Old rotary phones had a small light inside the receiver that would blink the same number of times as the number you dialed. So if you dialed a seven and then wheeled it all the way up, as the wheel was turning back, it would activate a series of clicks and it would go flash, 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 flash. And so that would send out the fact that it was sending a seven. Uh, I had no idea that they did that. Uh, and then um, if you fast forward to phones with like push buttons and the dial tone and like the the, the different um, tones that get pressed when you mm -hmm. press a number button, yeah. just like your cell phones do now. I don't know what the fuck those are called. It's just like, you know, the, the phone phones, the ones with buttons. Yeah. You're not rotaring. Um, those the all... classic phone. <laughs> right. The, the push, new, it, it's new, a push button phone. It's a push button. Classic button, phone. Yes. We have new classic phone. Nintendo new classic phone XL. <laughs> um new new classic phone DS. New classic phone DS plus light. It comes with a corded receiver or right. a wireless receiver. <laughs> plus light champions um, edition. <laughs> DX director's cut. Uh so so those other phones that you press the button and you have a little sound that happens, it's actually really interesting. I didn't know this. Every single number that you press on a number pad is actually a combination of two tones. That is why when you press any one, they usually sound dissonant. They are two tones that are laid on top of each other. And on a phone, there is a set of tones for each row and for each yeah. column. And so when you press the number key, if you pressed five, it would do row two, column two. That is how the number, that is how it has the association hmm. of the tones. And if you go to a phone that uh, has the old style buttons, it won't work on your cell phone. But if you pressed two buttons at the same time, like if you pressed one and two, since they're both in the same row, you would not hear a combination of tones. You would only hear the row tone because it couldn't discern what column tone to give it. So you could hear each individual row and column tone. I found that really freaking interesting. Mm. I had no idea. It's like, it's just, you know, wow. Okay. Um, anyway, so like I was saying about phones, um, simulated patients, uh, people who are fake, fake humans that are used for medical testing and medical teaching and stuff like that. Uh, they, there's a segment of the show where they said, here's a sim patient, and he uses a combination of speakers and program tapes to reproduce a variety of heart conditions that medical students can use to train on. Moving right along. It's just like, what the yeah. fuck is that? <laughs> what a random goddamn thing you're telling me. And it's like, you know, this creepy ass. Do you know what's patient. inside the liver of an armadillo? <laughs> Do you? Well, you won't find out from this, but we can figure something out. Um <laughs> So yeah, then uh, an object center of gravity was the next point of talking. And it's the point where gravity's force is centralized on an object. It can be determined using a plumb bob, which is something that I guess carpenters use a lot to find a direct line that goes from a point to gravity. And it's just basically a weight on a string. You just hold it up and then you can like draw a line and that'll be your perfect uh, you know, vertical uh, gravity line. And so if you have an object and you have a plumb bob, you can put it on all, like, you know, multiple sides of the object, draw all these vertical lines. And at the point exactly where all of those lines, co like, you know, cross, that is technically the center of gravity. And for some objects, it's in the middle of space. Like he, he used a, a coat hanger 
And it's like, technically, the center of gravity for a coat hanger is in the void space. You can't, you literally can't hold it on its center of gravity. It's in between the solid parts. Interesting. Um, yeah. But, you know, certain things like those, uh, like those old school toys that were like the balancing hawk toy or falcon yeah. toy or whatever. Yeah, like yeah, those, yeah. if you were to do it, you know, mess with the plumb bob with that, you would actually see like, oh, it's actually surprisingly far forward. Um, so that was interesting. Uh, water vapor is a visible cloud that comes out of boiling tea kettles. Uh, steam is the invisible gas that forms once the water vapor has fully evaporated. And, and, and Mr. Wizard was honestly... He was a little terse about this because the kid said it wrong. And he said, he said, what'd you call that? <laughs> yes, he did that a lot in the show. Yeah. Did you just call and, me? And he's like, he's like, he's like, well, I, hey, could, tell you call was, I could tell it was boiling because of all the steam. You could see the steam. And he's like, what'd you just call that? Hey, <laughs> that's water vapor, man. And then he's like, the steam like, is the, is the gas. If you'd called you it smoke, I would have, I would have straight up punched you in the mouth. But I, I honestly like he was he was like kind of he was kind of like turned like activated. I was like, dude, don't fucking hurt this kid. Uh, But no, in all seriousness, calm uh, down, Don. Calm down, man. (laughs) Don, Don Herbert. Uh, Yeah. So, you know, the the center, uh, the the the, oh yeah, the water vapor. I don't know. It's like basically he showed he showed a teapot. And the water vapor that was coming out, if you held like a lighter or a candle or something to that water vapor, it would immediately disappear because that extra heat just causes it to evaporate so much faster that it looks like nothing's coming out of the tea kettle. I don't know. It it was really like a semantic thing. It's okay. I mean, steam is water vapor. So, I mean, the kid wasn't wrong. But steam is the gaseous, invisible form. His point is that the stuff that you can visibly see is not steam, it's water vapor, which means it's technically liquid, just in like crazy small particles in a cloud. Right. Wow. It was it was really quite a particular point that was I have made. never like, not called the stuff you can see steam. Steam. Right. Yeah, I think I think most most folks don't. Call wow, water vapor. Um, My life yeah. is a lie. Oh, Mr. Wizard knew speaking it. of should have watched more, Mr. Wizard. Um, speaking of lies, going back to uh, uh, how uh, Mr. Wizard was treating kids, he was like, uh, his one kid uh, was on, and he and Mr. Wizard pulled out like a like a, a battery and a nine volts, and he shows the kid the the battery. He's like, okay, what is this called? And the kid's like, oh, well, that's a battery. And he's like, Duh. what? What'd you call it? A battery? No, it's called a cell. <laughs> Duh. God, semantics. This guy. This guy's just oh, trapping oh, kids. Just kid. semantics world. He's like, kid, browbeating over the head with it. He's like, he's like, kid, are you that fucking dumb? It's a fucking cell. My God. <laughs> duh. Duh. Oh my God. Uh. My God. Duh. And he's like, pulls up the nine ball. He's like. So what's this called? And the kid's like, oh, it's a nine. I don't ball. know. He's like, he's like, okay, that that's that's correct. It's it's this is a this is a, this is a nine volt. But what is it called? It's like it's a nine volt battery. That's right. This is a battery. This is a cell. And and he's like, if get you, it. He's like, he's like, if you if you if you pull apart this nine volt battery, what's inside? Have you seen what's inside? No. Well, let me show you, Jimmy. Little cells, little cells. Gonna need another Jimmy. Those little cells, and he's like, so these are cells, 
and each one has at least 1.6 volts per per cell, which makes up the nine volts you would get. And and the kid's like, okay, oh. I didn't know that, Mister Wizard. He's like, you're not really supposed to just go around just dissecting batteries, by the way. Like, like it's not something I would do if I wasn't on your show, Mister Wizard. Right. Uh, like you kind of asked me. Uh, so, I think I you, have done this. Before, I think it's a loaded question. You clearly happen. know I don't go around just cutting open batteries, right? Like that would right. be. That'd <laughs> be frowned upon. It was, no, it was like no the most ridiculous thing. I was like, "Oh my god!" Like that poor kid. Yeah. <laughs> the god. cell. You asshole! Jolt! You piece of shit! (laughs) God! What are you dumb? You simpleton! You oaf! Do you not know science? (laughs) You oaf! You uneducated, unwashed oaf! Ah, (laughs) Such a buffoon is you! Kids like I took a bath yesterday. Well, you smell like you don't know what. Yeah, yeah. Somehow, Mister Pirate. I'll has put entered you in the, the studio. Her, yeah. Fathoms in the studio. All right. Um, hey, uh, nice. So, very cool. Very nice. Very good. Yeah. Uh, there's one last thing in the Mister Wizard episode that I watched, and it is easily the choicest thing. It's really freaking cool. So, uh, the last point of the episode that mattered because there was like two or three other ones, and I'm like, these suck. I'm not doing these. Uh, <laughs> there were. Um, Pigeons were once being investigated as a potential tool for use by the Marines in the Coast Guards to help locate stranded people out at sea. The birds were trained on the color orange, and they would peck a button when they saw orange and be given food. Uh, Orange being the color of regulation life vests, they wanted to train them on recognizing this trigger. Um, Helicopters were then outfitted with small chambers on the bottom of them that could hold three pigeons, each in their own little container, facing a different direction. And while flying around, if the birds saw you know, an orange, an orange target or whatever to try and train them and stuff, they would peck. And then the, based on the direction of where the peck came from, the pilot would know to go either left, right, straight, wherever, um, based on these triangulation of these, uh, pigeons pecking on these little things. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this was being presented in the episode of Mr. Wizard as like, this is something that they are currently investigating. So this was obviously in the eighties, you know, and, uh, and didn't say for sure if this was something that ended up being pursued or forgotten about. Uh, but I thought it was really freaking interesting. I mean, that's so cool. And they're mm. pigeons. They're like the 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 bird equivalent of like, you know, squirrels or rats or something. It's like people hate pigeons. Rats with um, wings. Rats with wings. So this feels like such an awesome thing for them to think of to say, let's find a, a way to utilize. What them. is the world's most abundant resource? Yeah. Pigeons. And, and you know, you know, I mean, they could still be out there now. I mean, I don't know all the government secrets. I don't know how mm. they do their Coast Guard stuff. They don't. They don't brief you on that stuff. No. No. Oh. Hmm. Well, I guess. I guess you wouldn't then. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. I ain't. Mm-mm. So you know, I don't know. Pigeons might be out there saving people's lives. Phones. Never knew it. Phones. Spoons. Uh, so that right there will wrap up the episode of yeah. science shows. Mm-hmm. Let's you know. Let's yeah. let's give a round of applause for everybody in the retroids that were, Bang, zoom. came out. Gave us some answers. Thanks, Love guys. Love to hear it. 
Uh, and uh, and we are going to be going on to one final segment before we leave you for this evening. So without further ado, let's go to this. You got your spiked gauntlets. You got your bullet belt. You got your leather jacket and your denim. You got your hairspray. Well, put them on because it's time for another edition of Power to the Metal. Hey, everybody. How's it going? It's Parasite Steve back on the mic here. And yes, you heard correctly. I am here with my very first ever, historically first ever, Power to the Metal. What? Yeah. Say no more. So I... So yeah, I uh, I'm pretty excited about this one. This is a fun one. I discovered this band, which is by the way not even really a band. It's just this insane weird thing that I just love so very much. It's ridiculous. Fictional band invented for the Guardians of the Galaxy video game. Um, absolutely insane. Uh, they. They decided that in the world of this this new Guardians of the Galaxy game, music was going to be important just like it is in the in the movies. But instead of 60s pop, it was going to be 80s hair metal and butt rock and stuff, which is way better. And that Star-Lord was actually going to be Peter Quill's favorite band growing up. And they just turned them into a metal band. And they're like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if we actually like had a real fake band? And they're like, yeah, let's do it. So... Um, yeah, Steve, uh, his last name is, is, is very difficult. I'm just going to give it a, give it a whirl. Steve Chikowski, uh, senior audio director at Eidos Montreal, um, who, by the way, uh, co-wrote the whole album and sings on every song, um, wrote the whole thing with this other, this other guy who does a lot of stuff for video games, musician, Johan Boudreau. And, um, Holy crap, they wrote a, I believe it's a 10-song CD, and um, it's absolutely freaking awesome. Uh, it is called, uh, so the, the name of the band is Star-Lord, the name of the album is Space Rider, and if you look up Star-Lord Band on the interwebs, you will find it. It is also, it's functional as the soundtrack to the game. Um, but of course, the game, if you have played, you know, uh, does have a lot of other actual existing songs. Um, so what they do basically is every time you're on the spaceship, the Milano spaceship, there will be just random music playing. There's also random music playing at different points in the game when you do this like team thing and you like kind of all huddle up and then you like, you know, get a boost and you, you know, you go fight the boss or do whatever you're going to do. If you trigger that, event it will play one of the random songs from the from the album but the album is like you know a ton of real songs and then also these 10 songs from the fake band star lord are in there anyway it is an absolute banger start to finish i cannot believe how much i love this freaking album they did such a great job so star lord may not be a real band but you can listen to the album anyway so um tracks on the album are all like space themed. They don't, they're not like super duper on the nose or anything. It's not like there's going to be a, a, a song about like a character or something like that, or something specific that happens or anything like that. But they're all like, you know, kind of space trucker type stuff. Um, standout songs for me personally, although I do honestly think that they're all very good. Um, I really like the song, a bit of good, a bit of bad. 
a lot. Um, I like Space Rider with no names. We it, it's it's just got such a good chorus. Like we're space riders with no names. Like it's all like so authentic. It's ridiculous. Every freaking song. Like you swear that this is an actual album that came out in the eighties. And then that of course that's one of the reasons I love it too. Because as I've mentioned many times in the show, I love pastiches. I love style parodies. I yep. love when people can write stuff, new stuff, and old styles that aren't even their style it's just somebody else's and they just pull it off so uh really really cool also the last song in the album is probably my favorite it's called the darkness inside it's kind of like the epic of the album um wow like go listen to this if you're into 80s metal and 80s music and stuff like it's that it's really good it's like <laughs> yeah. awesome. it's Honestly, super it's, super weirdly good yeah it's, it has no business being as good as it is it's so mm. it's so legit like, you good. look at the you look at the artwork and it's awesome awesome the, the cover is so good is awesome uh just everything about it is just mm-hmm. it's awesome it's like yeah it's, yeah it's, yeah the the Crazy. The cover, the cover, sort of pays tribute a little bit to Manowar, I think, because they have yes. this main character. He's holding up a guitar, um, and he's uh, he's in silhouette, but he's got his eyes showing. His eyes are like burning, glowing eyes, and kind of yeah. reminds reminds me a bit of the Manowar mascot, where you could never ever see his face, but you could always see his eyes. Uh, he's always in shadow from the the like from the face anyway. Usually, he was you know you can see the rest of his body in full, like you know, glistening, muscled glory. But um, this this dude on this cover isn't isn't like a barbarian, but he's uh he's really cool, and he's fighting a bunch of aliens and mutants and stuff, and it's just a really great cover. Yeah. Um, that that like is the the final touch too. It's like man, and they put that artwork on a lot of stuff in the game because Peter Quill like has things with yeah. you know that he kept before he left Earth. You know, it's not exactly the same as in the movies and he was older he was a teenager he wasn't like a little kid but um he has stuff from you know his room and there's star lord stuff uh he has the tape still and it's really cool um so yeah anyway fun stuff uh easiest way to find it is just look up star lord band or look up star lord space rider full album and you'll be able to find it on youtube i don't know if it's on spotify and other it is things on, it is on spotify yeah. okay yeah there awesome. you go that's that's, that's it that's my uh first ever in five seasons power to the metal there you go guys. oh yeah the metal is spreading yes. we can't stop it we never would want to uh that's awesome yeah i've heard these guys they are really cool what an awesome friggin' thing to do for this game to make it feel so much more legit right it's just it's awesome passion projects like that's just the coolest um all right well guys uh, do we have anything that we want to promote we're a little bit good on time here so how are we feeling that is true well you know i think i think joe you have probably something to promote i do do actually so just i mean i just recently i started uploading onto tiktok i've had an account for a while but i never did anything with it and i just put up two tiktok videos and i also put them on my youtube shorts um and also my instagram and twitter and also my facebook reels um so i mean that that's been fun i mean making shorter videos is less stressful and a lot of fun to do and i just hope that people end up liking it so so if you want to find me on tiktok it's at Nintendo 25 uh same thing with mm-hmm. instagram and twitter 
Um, and YouTube, it's uh, Melojo25. And uh, yeah, that's just yeah. about it. Awesome. That is yeah. some solid progress on Absolutely. the channel. Love to see it. Yeah. Very cool. And hopefully we'll be able to, um, you know, produce some content for the YouTube channel as well. Yep. Um, now that we're using StreamYard, we'll see how this goes. Um, and I mean, I, I hope this episode came out great. Um, I don't know. We haven't heard it yet. We're just making yep, it right, right now, yeah, right now, this right second, now. this second, right this moment. Yeah, this is our first one. So, uh, you know, I hope to be using this platform in the future. And you know, technically, in the future, if we really want to, because this is how our our brothers in the on the Dorkening do it as well. You know, we do have the ability to go live and to simulcast to various platforms. I mean, that is part of this. I don't know that we will do that. Um, but if you guys think that that's something that you're interested in, you know, maybe we could do a little, you know, uh, like a crow's nest or something, some sort of a little test where we can have, right. <clears throat> you know, Get some live comments coming in live. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. and, uh, you know, we, we may work up to that point. Um, it's entirely possible, but hopefully at least if nothing else, the audio quality has been a lot better for the, for this episode. And, um, that's yeah. definitely, that would be uh, enough of a step up for me personally. So Right. Uh, we'll see what we end up doing with it, but I'm excited. Yeah. Nice. I I am very excited for that as well. Um, and then, you know, I don't really got anything else to promote other than I'm Apodalchemy, and I've been your host, and you can find me on YouTube doing music or on uh, Twitter tweeting about retro crap. Or um, uh, I think I have a SoundCloud. Yes. Yeah, uh, SoundCloud, and I have a Bandcamp. Uh, but yeah, Ape at Alchemy, I'm there. If you are interested in chiptune music, reach out, hit me up. Let's work together. I want to do it. Uh, and yeah, that's basically it. That is a wrap for this episode. If you haven't jumped ship by now, we certainly hope you enjoyed this week's journey over the treacherous waters of all the things that made growing up awesome. If you like what you heard, please hit that subscribe button and like us on Facebook and Twitter. As well as being part of the Nebriart Podcast Network, Retro Octopus is a full-fledged member of the Darkening Podcast Network. So if you get a chance, please check out our sister shows like Shark Bites, Black and White Fright, Geek Life HQ, CSI The Vegas Files Podcast, The Loudest Sports Show, and Then Is Now, plus a ton of other shows on the Darkening Network. Check now. We have a lot of talented folks that have a lot of crazy stuff to say, so let's listen to them. I have been your host, 8-Bit Alchemy, and we will see you next time. For more shows like the one you just heard, check out the Dorkening Podcast Network at thedorkening.com.